happens when you die? <sighs> when I die, my body stops functioning. Shut down. All at once or gradually, my breathing stops, my heart stops beating. Clinical death. And a bit later, like five whole minutes later, my brain cells start dying. But in the meantime, in between, maybe my brain releases a flood of DMT. It's a psychedelic drug released when we dream, so I dream. I dream bigger than I have ever dreamed before because it's all of it. Just the last dump of DMT all at once and my neurons are firing and I'm seeing this firework display of memories and imagination and I am just tripping. I'm <laughs> really tripping balls because my mind's rifling through the memories, you know, long and short term and the dreams mixed with the memories and... It's a curtain call. Dream to end all dreams. One last great dream as my mind empties the fucking missile silos and then... I stop. My brain activity ceases and there is nothing left of me. Pain. Rain, no awareness that I ever was, no. that I ever hurt someone. That I ever killed someone. Everything is as it was before me. I'm Kate. And I'm Ariana. Welcome back to the Crock-Pot. Ooh. Ooh. We're in the Crock-Pot, you guys. But if you're new, we're also still the Nightlight Horror Movie Club. Um, And also, happy Halloween, y'all. Ooh, getting spooky out there. Spooky season. It's getting spooky. I've been doing my drive around, seeing who's got their, their decorations up, making notes of who I like and who I don't like. Been playing Ariana has too our spoopy instrumental playlist, which is how it it's like a like, like spoopy, <laughs> yeah, it's like <laughs> like spoopy. It's instrumental. It's delightful. It's a lot of good movie scores. A lot of good vibes. A uh, dance macabre is my fave. So yeah, that's on our um, Instagram. So go find that if you're studying and you need some spoopy music to get you in the right spirit. 
or you're just driving around and it's dreary, which is whenever I listen to it. It was great. Oh, yes. I listened to it yesterday and today, and it was the perfect vibe because it's like 60s. It's like a little dreary, a little rainy. Yes. Uh, and it's like windy. And you know that like feeling you get where you're like, oh my God, it's like fall. It's brisk. So great. Yes. We're easing our way into full Halloween mode. Mm, but mm-hmm. don't worry because Ariana and I have to talk about Halloween because we haven't yet. Um, but we're not going to do that right now. If you guys want to stay after the outro music, we're going to get nostalgic and we're going to have some extra unrelated Halloween content. What do you Ooh, what do you say, Ariana? Okay, okay. That's exciting. I haven't told Ariana that, but I'm like, we got to talk and they might as well know. I want the club to know. All right. I'm here for it. But first... I want to explain something. This is a very, very unique episode. And not just because I say that every time. This one really is. We are doing not a movie, but a mini series and only half of it. So we're doing Midnight Mass. We're going to do the first four episodes today, kind of loosely cover them. And we're going to do the last three episodes uh, in two weeks. So stay tuned for the big finale. The big finale. And we're going to go through our feelings, discussions in the second episode. Oh, I have big feelings. All the feelings. Yeah. Spoiler-wise, what are you thinking, Ariana? Like, are we going to spoil the first four episodes today, Mm. the whole show? I don't want to spoil the whole show. I want to kind of go through and I want people to watch with us. And I don't want to... I'm not going to try to spoil the ending. I'm not going to tell you my feelings on everything. I'm not going to reference anything that's not in the first four episodes. Ugh. I'm so glad you said that. I feel the exact same way. Yeah. So if you guys want to watch along, um, it's very much weather appropriate, Halloween appropriate. It is on Netflix. It is Mike Flanagan's Midnight Mass, which is a mini series. And you just got to watch the first four to catch up. So you've had enough time. We're all caught up. (laughs) And uh, now it's time to introduce the movie of the week, a.k.a. the mini of the week. Today's episode was recommended by us. Us. We wanted to do it. We wanted to do it so bad, you guys. But I got we got permission though. Um, I posted on Instagram, which if you if you guys want to like influence the direction of the club, that's where you go. Instagram or Facebook, or even better yet, our Patreon. That's our club officer group, our Patreon group. Those are the people who support the club. And we have a new one, by the way, Ariana. Ooh, very exciting. <gasps> very exciting. So we have a new club officer slash patron. Um, his name is Eric. He is from Reno, Nevada, so he's automatically cooler than us. Reno, okay. Reno, baby. He is especially excited about Midnight Mass. So, (gasps) yes, amazing (laughs) proof that this is this show is not just for me and Ariana. It, I think, there's a mass appeal that can't be ignored. A mass appeal. A mass (laughs) appeal. She meant it the whole time. (laughs) But also, before we get into film breakdown, before we talk about the episodes, a, a quick word. So. This miniseries is Midnight Mass is set on Crockett Island. It's a fictional island. Um, It's a small community and it goes about the goings on of the community whenever some strange, slightly supernatural things start to happen. Um, And a big major player in the story is the local small but strong Catholic church. Mm hmm. So that's that's all that you need to know to, like, get into it. There's obviously a lot more than that that we're going to go through. Um, But I just wanted to say, so I was raised, I was raised Episcopal, which is like Catholic light. We're like cool Catholics. And I was an (laughs) acolyte. I wore like the white robe and like snuffed the candles and like tried not to um, be bored as hell during gospel. Had to watch my mom chug the wine afterwards to (laughs) make sure it was just, had to wait 
an hour for my mom to sober up from the wine she chugged before we could go home. Oh, wow. So I feel like I... Yeah, I feel like I had the full Catholic experience, which I think is cool to this movie because there's a lot of very important and very intricate Catholic symbolism. So I do feel like that gave me some special insight into this movie. However, um, that doesn't matter because I know Ariana researched this shit. (laughs) I know she knows everything about it. And we all know she has a huge boner for religious allegory. You're right. I have a huge lady boner for anything that will reference religion, especially Catholicism. (laughs) Yes, ma'am. Especially Catholicism. Were you raised Catholic? Yes. Catholic school from day one until I was 18. And I did not have a lady boner for Catholicism while I was in the school, but... No, they usually don't. It played a very, very big role in my upbringing. And watching this series is just like a total mindfuck because when you go to church every fucking week and you hear these rituals Mm -hmm. and these words that I feel like have not been featured to this degree in anything I've seen before. Oh, yeah. It was a major mindfuck. I almost felt like, I was like, how are people who aren't Catholic or Episcopal or whatever going to get all of this? I'm yeah, I agree. I think so. Like I think that the way that they have done it makes it very clear. Yeah, it's very relatable. And it it's almost like you're watching a movie about an unknown cult and mm-hmm. you're like learning all of the cult secrets, but yeah, it's like watching it as someone who has experienced that and like knows what color chasuble we're wearing. Yep. Right? Yep. Mhm. There's some layers there. So if you're Catholic, you're going to get a kick out of it. If you're ex-Catholic, you're really going to get a yeah. kick out of it. So cool. <laughs> it's so crazy. But if you're not religious and have never been religious or are another religion, you're still going to be able to really enjoy the story that Mike Flanagan has woven for us with these seven episodes because they're fantastic. Oh, my God. Absolutely amazing. But as I've said, I didn't pay attention in church. Did I ever tell you about the time that I got in trouble? <laughs> This sounds familiar, but remind me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was me and my older sister, and we were, I forgot what ceremony it was, some ceremony. We were wearing the white jacket, robe things, the crosses, the whole thing. And part of the ceremony was as they were reading the gospel, it was at night. As we were reading the gospel, we had to like take candles off of the altar and like snuff them like okay. in an order. Yeah. Not realizing. So we think we're behind the altar and we can do whatever we want. Oh, yes. I do remember this story. Oh, yeah. my God. So I didn't. Neither of us realized that when we bring the candles down, we're doing an, essentially a shadow puppet show yep. of all of the ridiculous things that we're doing um, onto the crucifix. Oh, my God. <laughs> in front of the church. Oh, my God. Yeah. But you know what? They still need someone to pour the wine and to snuff the candles. So I was not fired that day. You know, that's so crazy. I honestly didn't realize Episcopal people did like the body and blood of Christ. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, um, I remember in school, everyone thought I was like going to hell because I drank wine on Sunday and they all did grape juice because I was raised around a Baptist community. Oh, so they do grape juice or they do wine? People who are not Catholic or Episcopalian, most of them are doing grape juice. Is that not wild? Okay. Yeah. No, I think that my church did grape juice as well. Um, But I think... Oh, we didn't. I think we did sometimes did wine and sometimes did grape juice. But to be honest, it's not like, I mean, at least in the few churches that I went to, it was never like everyone's drinking the wine or grape juice. It was like you could choose. And that's one thing I had a problem with this show was like a big part of it is like, drink, drink the wine. (laughs) But Well, no. So... We're, so you're probably from a bigger church then. 
Yeah. Oh, I guess that's true. Maybe if it's like a small church. My, I am from a small church in Southern Mississippi. There are not a lot of Episcopals. St. Paul's, what up? <laughs> and it was like, you, I knew everybody in that church. It was like, peace be with you. I was shaking everybody's hand in oh, that church. Oh, so it was like a similar size to this very one in the similar. miniseries. Okay. I'm going to be honest, very similar. And not to get into it, but there was like a big divide that happened in Mississippi because the Episcopal bishop came out as gay. Um, oh, and wow. there was like people split out of the church because of it. Obviously, my family stayed. Yeah. But it got even smaller to the point that it was just me and my sisters were the only people under 18 at this <gasps> church. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Wait, are they allowed to marry? Are Episcopal priests allowed to marry? They are. And we have female priests. Oh, that's so cool. All, all of my priests growing that's up so are cool. female. Yeah. And our bishop is gay. So that's what I mean when I say it's like Catholic light. It's like cool Catholic, but also yeah. all, all the ceremony, all the memorized prayer. All the outfits. Everything else is the same. Yeah. But you guys, do you also believe that it's like the actual body and the actual blood of Christ? Yes, it's okay. consecrated, which is why I brought up my mom chugging the wine because my mom was also an altar server. And um, whenever you pour the, the, the wine, is consecrated by the priest. So it's no longer wine. It is the blood of Christ. And you don't just throw that down the sink. <laughs> yeah, you can't. Yeah, you have to finish it. Finish it off. So you finish it. Yeah. So it, uh, my church was mostly elderly people. So they didn't need to be chugging anything before they got in their <laughs> Your mom's car. like, I'll take this bullet. <laughs> so my mother, my lightweight mother, who, mom, I'm sorry, but it's true, will drink one glass of champagne and like apologize to a mirror on her way to the bathroom at a restaurant. <laughs> She's so, such a sweet little lightweight. I feel like that's a real story. I know it is. It is. A real I feel like that actually happened. I would have to watch her chug the wine if there was leftover and be like, God damn it. That means I have to stand around here for another hour. Oh, my God. Because mom's drunk and <laughs> can't take us home because she had to drink the goddamn blood of Christ. The Catholic Church and encouraging DUIs. And none of this has anything to do with Midnight Mass. I'm very sorry. <laughs> As usual. But I think it's important. We need to disclose this. We need to disclose yes. Our religious experiences, because I think religious experience prior to watching this show is meaningful. Yeah, it's totally different experience. I think like I showed this to my mom right after um, I saw it and she loved it. She was like, it's so crazy to like watch how much of the actual mass they included. Mm -hmm. And it's it is really hard to watch, I think, because when. I guess when you're not a Catholic and you see the rituals and the words that people say in the prayers, it can still be interesting and creepy and culty, like, culty. Yeah. So I think it, it's definitely you can't look away for both reasons. And, and that's not that's not a dig on the Catholic or the Episcopal Church. We're both atheists. And I feel like a lot of people in our profession are. I would say most are. Yeah. But um, I think even especially as an atheist watching this Catholic programmed island yeah as a horror supernatural show is one of the most cool experiences i've ever had yes watching any show ever and i you know i'm a mike flanagan sucker because you are too yep yep we love him and mike flanagan was raised catholic, catholic. yep mm -hmm. so um there's that's that's a very special tie that I've been wanting to. I haven't really honestly, guys, I have not talked to Ariana much about this show at all. Yeah, we haven't. Mm -mm. And if we did, it was like three years ago and we both don't remember. <laughs> no, we kept it really. Yeah, we did. We kept it really cool. But yeah, yeah. this this show is very important to me. Uh, whenever it came out, I was getting married and going on my honeymoon and I like 
found a way to watch the next episode with Nick, like in Greece. <laughs> oh, wow. Wait, did Nick like it? No, no. Nick was the, Nick was the one who suggested it. He's Amazing. like, do you want to watch the finale? And we watched it and we sobbed. <laughs> Bro, the finale. Ugh. Oh, my God. Yeah, the finale's worth it, you guys. So, like, Ugh. if this show seems slow, just, like, please. It's a slow burn. It's a slow burn. And if any of it is catching you, drawing you in, just stick with it. I promise it'll be a fun time. Yeah. Uh, but I, long story short, um, I didn't pay attention in church and Ariana did. So I'm going to let her <laughs> drive this boat. Ariana not only paid attention in church, but it was also... An altar server. I sung in the choir. I was part of the land stewardship <gasps> committee at my church. You sung in the choir? Oh, yeah. I sung in the choir <gasps> pretty much since I was a child, way into my years in high school. So, yeah. Oh, my God. Bro, I was super active in the church. So, yeah. I went to church literally every freaking week. And I went to a Catholic school and we went to church on Fridays, every Friday. You went to church on Fridays. And we had religion class every year. So. <laughs> oh, my God. Right, see, here's the thing, guys. I only met Ariana when she was cool. So I didn't know it. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. Well, we all did it. You know what I mean? Like everyone was into we that We all shit. gave it a little try. Yeah, for sure. I mean. But yeah, by the time I met her in vet school and we were like digging out horse cadavers, we were like, there is no God. Yeah. Ariana never believed. Ariana just did it for the vibes. <laughs> Did it for the requirement to live in her home. Yeah, basically. Yeah. <laughs> because I grew up in Florida, guys. And I don't know if you know this about Florida, but the public school system in Florida sucks ass to the yeah. to the point that my school that I was zoned for was where the Parkland shooting happened. Like, that's where I would have gone to school. Oh, yeah. And my parents were like, nah, fuck that. And it's not even that sketchy of a school. Like, Parkland is like a pretty nice place to live, but... That's where I would have gone. And it's really scary, you know? So Yeah, that is scary. I'm glad I went to Catholic school, although I did obviously learn a lot that I didn't want to know about religion to the point where I think it really turned me off and it's going to take me a long time to find my way back, if ever. Mm -hmm. But, you know, <laughs> as I'm sure everyone, all these millennials, we all feel the same way about it, I think. I don't think so, but I, I do. So I, <laughs> I hear you loud and fucking clear. Anyway, enough about our religious experience. I know that people love our tangents, but I think it's important to know before we dive into the first four episodes, right? Yeah, I agree completely. You have to know where we're coming from. You have to think about where you're coming from as a viewer also, because mm -hmm. it's going to affect your experience. But without further ado, shall we go into the film breakdown? Yes. By film, I mean mini series. Mini, mini series. series breakdown. We might keep doing that. It's fine. You guys know what we mean. It's fine. If it's one seven hour long film, it's fine. Oh my God, seven hours. Yeah. Can you imagine? Jeez. No, exhausting. <laughs> it was never boring. I will say that. It was a slow burn at the beginning, but it was never like, this is boring. No, I never got bored. Yeah. But you have to also be very much into character development. Otherwise, you're not going to be there at the beginning. You're going to be like, okay, where is this going? I'm bored. Why is no one getting murdered? <laughs> you have to trust in Mike Flanagan's process. That's just how it goes. You do. You do. Well, if, mm -hmm. Ariana, so you've seen the whole show. Yeah. Without giving anything away, give me a genre. If you're trying to like Ooh. say, what genre is this miniseries to like a horror viewer? Hmm. This is hard because the horror aspects all come in at the end, to be honest. Kind of. 
So maybe we'll focus on the vibe. They're stopping the first four for sure. There are, but not as like a sweeping statement. I can't be like, you know. No, sure. But I think I think without spoiling things, I can tell. You know what? I have a good idea. Okay. What? I will say what Wikipedia says. Oh, okay. Okay. Nice and safe. No spoilers. But we'll give you an idea of what you're dipping your toes into because you might not know right away. So Mm, mm -hmm. Wikipedia calls Midnight Mass a gothic supernatural horror. I love it. Yeah. Amazing. It's not as good as mine. That's beautiful. I like gothic. I like the word gothic. Gothic is cool. Mine is better. What's yours? It's one word. What? Spoopy. Hot priest. (laughs) It is spoopy. But I'm so glad you brought up the hot priest, Ariana. (laughs) Hot priest horror. I'm so glad. Also, Ariana, I keep telling you to watch Fleabag. There's a hot priest in Fleabag. Ooh, I'm sold. Here I go. Yeah, bitch. That's all you had to say. So Midnight Mass, if you don't know anything, all you need to know is there's a hot priest. Okay, there's a hot priest and we're here for it. And you know how earlier I was like, Ariana, you're just so brilliant. You're going to take the wheel. Well, that's also because she and I'm holding this up for Ariana spilled rosé on (laughs) all of her handwritten notes. This is why you need a computer to type on instead of writing things down. I can't. The screen distracts me. All that's all that I can make out is this jail. Albatross is circled. Yeah, it's important. Albatross horror. Tapetum lucidum, which we'll explain. Mm. Tapetum lucidum. Mm-hmm. It's an anatomy thing. That's a vet thing. Yep. And hot priest. Oh, and this one says, go to your specialist. <laughs> All the medical professionals who have seen this show think that one's funny. Go to your specialist. I can't imagine what that, what is that in response to? What happens with Aaron Green? Uh, Yeah. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yes. Got it. In response to what happened with Erin Green, where she continued to see the general practice. Guys, I'm a general practitioner. So like no disrespect, but I'm sorry. Your spinal injury randomly is okay. And you're just going to see the family doctor who's going to do a patellar reflex and be like, I don't know. I know. Seems good. They're like, oh, the reflexes are good. Oh, the reflexes are fine. I'm like, you need an MRI like right now. Anyway, what? A nightmare for a general practitioner to be like the only doctor for like 200 people on this secluded island. Like that is crazy. Listen, I'm really trying to hold it in. But whenever we get there, Ariana and I will be talking about how much we respect and I am saluting this badass. Oh, yeah. Lesbian doctor who is single handedly keeping this island alive. It's insane. (laughs) She's one of many characters. So this is an ensemble cast. Some of them are I I called them um, the Flanagan Clanagan. I love it. The Flan Clan. Okay, good. The Flan Clan. So that is um, Mike Flanagan, who is the director and writer of this miniseries. There are multiple writers. I'll name all of them soon, I promise. But Mike Flanagan is kind of known for doing ensemble horror. Uh, Midnight Mass, Bly Manor. Um, so yeah, we get a, we get a lot of the Flanagan Clanagan from previous projects. So all of our favorite actors that are also his favorite actors that are very cool, diverse actors and just give us a different character. So it's almost like an anthology, but it isn't. So that's very fucking cool. It's amazing. And I'm excited. Yeah. And I'm very excited about um, his next one. But we're not talking about that because I'll get distracted. (gasps) Oh, I thought we were not going to bring it up. I'm not going to bring it up. I'm so excited. I'm not going to bring it up. We're not bringing up the House of Usher. We're not bringing it up. Not bringing it up. And I'm not reading it. And I don't want to talk to anybody about it. We're going to be together. Yes, we are going to be together. We're going to tell you. We're going to be together when it comes out. Just hold on, you guys. We'll get there. We'll tell you. But sticking to Midnight Mass, we have one, two, three, four, five 
head writers. Oh, okay. Which is why okay. this show is so good and why Mike Flanagan is brilliant. So we have Mike Flanagan. We got his brother, Jamie. Um, we have Elaine Gale, who worked on uh, Hill House. She's one of my favorite writers, as well as Danny Parker and Jeff Howard. So just like badass, seasoned, um, tried and true horror writers. And we appreciate that. Mm. That's good shit. Yeah. But we have some new faces, so we'll we'll get there as we get there because it's an ensemble cast. There is no main character. Uh, and I think we should just, like, dive the hell in. Ooh, okay, okay. Well, I do want to say, in regards to Mike Flanagan's ensemble cast, I have never had a problem with the idea of the ensemble cast. I love that shit. I love that he has a Flanagan he can bring back. It reminds me of American Horror Story. They know what we're here for. Mm-hmm. I will say there is one character in this miniseries that I think was miscast and did not do great in their part. Is it someone from a previous show? Yes. <gasps> yeah. Is it um, Kate Siegel? No. Oh, shit. All right. We both have different opinions. No. <laughs> that's an interesting guess, though. Do you not like her? Oh, this? no. We'll get there. We'll get there. So Kate Siegel is Mike Flanagan's IRL wife, and she's in all of his work, and she's great. We'll get there. I'll, I'll hold that in. Wait, who are you talking about? No, I, I understand what you're saying, Kate. I could definitely see that. There are moments when I'm watching Kate Siegel where I'm like, okay, like this feel like this moment's overacted a little bit. But I think she does very well in certain roles. And I think just the way she acts is difficult in other roles. Yeah. But I'm talking about Henry Thomas. Sorry. <gasps> Sorry. I don't know. He, to me, is not selling me fishermen. I can't, like, for example, this whole community is like a fishing community. All the men are like salt of the earth, gruff, you know, dirty men. Henry Thomas is not like that. He's not like that as a person. He has a specific vibe. He has like a cute guy vibe, like skinny, dorky. I bought it. I did not buy it. I will say when I first watched it, I was like, yay, Henry Thomas. And that was like the only thing I thought about him. But rewatch and I was like, uh, I don't know if he can pull this off. Oh, we're disagreeing real soon. He's one of my favorite characters. Are you serious? I am dead serious because I know people wow. like him. I know I know small town people like them. And also the Holly Holy scene. Yeah. Are we going to talk about the Holly Holy scene? That's cute. Yeah, it's cute. I like that. It's not yeah. episode one. Mm-mm. You need to hold out for it, but it will make you become a Neil Diamond fan. And you didn't know you were a Neil Diamond fan. Yeah, there's a lot of Neil Diamond in this. There's a ton of Neil Diamond. Holly Holy is the best part of this show. And if you know, you know, and we'll get there in a couple episodes. Well, you guys get to hear Holly Holy because I'm going to play it at the end of this episode. I'm going to cry. Don't. Outro song. Oh, my God. Listen, it's one of the best fucking scenes in this. If that wasn't the outro song, I was also going to cry, but I'm so glad it is. Yeah, it it is. It definitely is. A couple things I want to talk about with the cast. Um, The first thing is, Kate, I don't know if you know the answer to this. In this show, like you had said, there's uh, an island. It's very like New England island vibes. Obviously, it was actually filmed in British Columbia, as most fucking things are these days. but when they reference, like, quote, the city, mm-hmm. are they talking about New York City? Or, like, where is everyone going when they're escaping this island? Is it New York or is it somewhere different? I think it's more nebulous than that. I don't think this is meant to be an island outside of New York. I think this is just meant to be an island. And most islands where people 
Liv have a ferry back and forth to a main city. So like, you know, New Orleans, Atlanta, something like that. Some coastal city. I guess when I mean the city, I don't mean like when they talk about like the mainland. It's like where Riley goes and is like a hot shot and where Aaron Green goes. Oh, I think it's purposefully ambiguous. I think they say it's New York, but I can't remember if they do. I think Aaron says she goes to New York. But my question is, Hmm. I always thought Riley was in New York, too. But in the first scene, his license plate is an Illinois license plate. So I wonder if he was in Chicago and she was in New York. I think they might have mentioned Chicago. But honestly, to me, I don't care. I'm like, there's the city. There's the mainland and there's the island. (laughs) That's all I need. (laughs) I just need like, I mean, I talk about setting all the time because I just like need that perspective. I'm like, where are we in the world? You know, like I wanted this to be like on an island near Maine. Like I wanted it to be like somewhere that's like a tangible place for me to like learn about the culture. I think that's my problem. That's so funny. I don't. I want it to be its entire own thing. (laughs) You're like, I don't care. I don't want it to be influenced by real cities or real mainlands. I want this to be about Crockett Island, a fictional city off the coast of a fictional mainland. (laughs) Off the coast of nebulous city mainland. (laughs) Nowhere. It doesn't matter because it's only part of flashbacks and very rarely. And the rest of it is on this little weird island. So I'm like, fuck the city. The city is bad. Go to the island. (laughs) Tell me more about the island. Well, that's great. And the other thing I wanted to say about the cast, there is one person who is so fucking hot. If you guys Google (laughs) the actor who plays Sturge, IRL is so fucking Sturge. Sir, yeah, you need to Google it right now. It's fucking Sturge, great. like the mechanic. Yeah, he looks so different. He looks so right, different, and it. so does Dolly. Dolly also looks different, and she's so beautiful in real life. I don't know, girlfriend. <laughs> is he a hottie? Maybe. Um, <laughs> can't find a photo of him without the beard. Oh, really? Oh, that's the key. You have to get rid of the beard so you can like see his jawline. That's the I'll key. Have to- <laughs> I'll have to do that after the show, for sure. I don't want to get distracted. Tell me what happens in the first episode. The club wants to know. All right, guys. Are you ready? A reading from the book of Genesis. Oh, my God. I knew you'd be fucking weird about it. I knew. That's what I meant. I was like, I'm just going to sit back and relax because Ariana is going to unhinge today. Let me just unhinge my jaw and eat this shit up. Just go ahead, you Catholic bitch. I love it. (laughs) So a cool aspect of this fucking show is that each episode is named after a different book in the Bible. It's really neat. It's really cool. And it goes with the order of the Bible as well. Like Genesis is first. Then we have like Psalms. And then we have um, like gospel, like in that order. And the last one's Revelation. So pretty fucking cool. So and then if you don't realize... In Catholic Mass, before they start telling you a reading, they always say a reading from the book of whatever. <laughs> yeah. They do that in Episcopal Mass, too. Oh, do they? Cool. Yeah. Good to know. I want to go to an Episcopal Mass. I've been to Catholic Mass. It's exactly the fucking same. Oh, it's the exact same. Okay. Exact same, only oh, I didn't uh, know that. tiny, and they're all old people, and there's 30 of them. <laughs> only that. <laughs> Wow. Good to know. And the shadow puppets on the back. But other than that, exactly the same. I just want to go to a freaking ceremony of every single religion. I just want to see it all. It's so cool. It's going to take a minute, but I think you can do it. (laughs) Yes. I've been to Baptist and that's it. (laughs) 
So far, so good. I went to Easter Sunday Baptist Mass in North Carolina, and it was crazy. That is bold. Yeah. Anyway, so... Anyway, back to Crockett Island. Reading from the book of Genesis. (laughs) So the series begins with a young man named Riley Flynn, who is let out on parole after spending four years in prison for a drunk driving accident that killed a young woman. It's tragic and terrible, and Neil Diamond is already playing. Neil Diamond? Is he playing in that scene? Yes. Oh, my God. These white people and their fucking Neil Diamond. I can't. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> I will defend. I, and I had Sweet Caroline on my Do Not Playlist for my fucking wedding, but stay away from Neil Diamond. <laughs> of course you did, because it was in North Carolina. I was like, don't do it. <laughs> I know you want to do it. Don't do it. But all of the all of the songs they pick... Um, for this show are so good and make me cry. They are. They're great. Yeah. It's a it's a real vibe. So Riley has to return to his hometown of Crockett Island, a New Englandy style fishing island to live with his family since he's broke. Um, and this small fishing island is struggling financially after an oil spill decimated the fishing industry. It's sad. And there's actually only 127 people on the island total, which is fucking crazy. Oh, my God. That is nuts. And everyone's talking about like, yep, they just didn't even bother selling their house. They just up and left. They just fucking left because no one's going to buy this house in a random fucking place. I mean, honestly, though, 127 people. That's like a little bit more than how many people were in our vet school class. Like that is insane, Kate. Insane. It's like four families. Yeah, four four genetic lines. Yeah. Four genetic lines just hanging around Crockett Island. Crazy, yeah. But like Crockett Island has some charm though. <laughs> it does. It's so cool. The vibe is awesome. It's like when I first saw this, I did not put it together that I was meant to be spring, even though they're talking about Easter. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. legitimately was like, this is October vibes. This is autumn call it spring all you want it's it's autumn okay it feels like autumn because it's storming and everything's like sort of dead slash dying and everyone's wearing like oh my god like aaron green's outfits every scene Uh, she has like a long dress and boots and like a long cardigan she's like not spring fisher woman chic october vibes i almost dressed up like her for this recording for kate's pleasure (gasps) but then i didn't <laughs> uh, next one. <laughs> next one, yeah. I want a maternity dress. For the climax of the movie, I'll dress like Erin Green. Yay! <laughs> um, so we have a town and it's very Irish Catholic, which is what Mike Flanagan is. And Riley is struggling to assimilate because although he was an altar server as a young boy, he lost his faith during his incarceration. Yeah. He like killed a like a teenager. It was really fucking sad. Yeah. Well, I think she was like in her 20s, but yeah. Mm, she was fucking young and it was horrible. It was one of the most harrowing openings I've ever seen. Oh my God. The use of the 90 degree turn is insane. Oh yes. Oh my God. Jump scares galore. There's like jump scares when he's like in bed thinking about her dead face. and Just jump scares in my heart. Like, ouch, that hurts. <laughs> oh, I know. I know. And you know, we love ouch, a, stop. like a true trauma, like true underlying fear. That's a re, we you know, do. a realistic fear of a lot of people, you know? Yeah. So I'm very bonded to Riley, like right away and his um, co- trying to come back home and his dad doesn't accept him. And he's coming back to the small island. He was a big city kid, just got 
out of incarceration, still horribly guilty, um, feeling like shit and just like returning to his childhood bedroom on this island town. Oh, what a nightmare. Yeah. And then his dad's like, you're going to fucking go to church. And that's that. Wow. That is crazy. Like some things I had never thought about is like when you go to jail, like that shit's expensive. Like you lose your money. You have to pay legal fees. Like you lose your apartment. You lose your job. Oh, like yeah. you're fucked when you come out. Even if it's a short time, you're fucked. Yeah, it's horrible. Because he was not a, you know, he was pretty well off when he committed the crime because he was that's all gone working in finance they never really say but he's like finance and tech and startups they just use like buzzwords to say like he was doing something cool in the city and he was pretty well off and he still had no money when he came out like his parents apparently it shook their you know financial situation as well because they allude to that so really kind of sucks super sucks yeah anyway so He struggles to reacquaint himself with his parents, whose names are Annie and Ed, played by Kristen Lehman and Henry Thomas. Henry Thomas! I actually think Kristen Lehman is beautiful. She's so wonderful. I love her. The first time I saw her was on... This is really weird, but I saw her on Grey's Anatomy. I I don't know if it was Grey's Anatomy (laughs) came on first. She was just like one of the patients in Grey's Anatomy. And I just remember looking at her face and being like, your skin is gorgeous. Like, and her face is like perfectly <laughs> proportioned to like, to the point where like, I remembered her face. And then oh when I God. saw her in Midnight Mass, I was like, oh my God, that's that girl from there Grey's you Anatomy. Are. Yes. Woman of my dreams. Is. Yes. It's actually, you. Though. Actually, Artificially though. aged up to 50. Uh, <laughs> yes. And we're still into it. She was 49 in this, but yeah. Oh, wow. Damn. You yeah. go, girl. You look good. She looks fucking great. Yeah. So we have Henry Thomas pretending to be a fisherman. It's not really working for anyone oh, stop but Kate. It. Oh my God. <laughs> He's great. He's wonderful. How dare you? The slander. And then we have his teenage brother, Warren. And I like Warren. His, yeah, Warren's cool. And his childhood sweetheart slash newly pregnant slash divorced Aaron Green, who is our beautiful Kate Siegel. She's having a hard time. Yeah. Of course. She's struggle bussing. She is struggle bussing. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. She just got out of an abusive relationship and she's pregnant and she's teaching teenagers. What a nightmare. And she's being very optimistic about it. Yeah. She loves her little fetus. She calls it yeah, little foot. Yeah, she calls it little foot. Yeah. My little, she was like, my little foot, if I didn't have this, I would have stayed in that terrible relationship. So this is all good. I'm yep. like, oh my God. That's so sweet. It is very sweet. So then the community is soon joined by a new priest named Father Paul Hill. And boy, is he attractive. And boy, is he hot as fuck. <laughs> he is a handsome gent. <laughs> and I can't even explain it. <laughs> but he could get it. I mean, yeah, yeah. I can't unsee him from the character that he played in the sitcom that I knew him from. So glad I didn't see it. So yeah. all I see is this hot, mysterious, brooding... Oh. Wearing a chausable priest. And I'm like, hmm. <laughs> That's Kate's type in case you were Delicious. <laughs> Kate loves it. So he's a younger priest and he's claiming to be the temporary replacement of the old pastor, Monsignor Pruitt, who had recently gone on pilgrimage to the Holy Land and fallen ill while there. Dun, dun. So while out smoking pot on a deserted part of the island... <laughs> 
Well, yeah, they are. Populated by a bunch of stray cats, Warren, Riley's teenage brother, spots a strange figure in the distance. Ooh, what a good jump scare. Yeah, that was cool. This is where we learn the word tapetum lucidum, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> yes. Tapetum lukidum. Tapetum luckydum, as our Australian professor messing with us called it. <laughs> so the tapetum lucidum is that whenever you like take a photo of a cat or a dog or something like that, uh, you see that yellow reflection of the back of their retina. And that's because they have an extra layer that's like very specifically reflective in it so they can see at night. So... Um, I've never seen a horror movie take such great advantage of the Tapetum Lucidum as a jump scare. And I'm so glad that Midnight Mass did. Oh, it's so good. You see the little the little cat eyes all over. Yeah. And then you see the flashlight and there's a tall man with the bright eyes. And you're like, wah! Yeah. Oh I'm like, God. yes, queen. That's yes. It's been there the whole time. And many, many animals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's so good. It's so good. That's like one of the first jump scares where we get to see like this figure and we're like, what the fuck? What's going to go down here? Yeah. <laughs> this is when you're like, oh, that's why Wiki called it supernatural Ooh, gothic yeah. horror. Oh, we love I it. See. We love it. <laughs> I like that. Gothic horror. That works so well. It does. It really does. For October, the vibe. I love it. So the next night, a raging storm hits the island. We love a storm. Spooky. We love a storm Ten on a points. fishing island in pseudo-October. <laughs> Give it to me. Yeah, they call it spring. We all know it's, it's October. Spring. It's, it's October and it's storming yes. and it's spooky. And it's cozy. Oh, it's so cozy. The island community hunkers down in their homes and during... The storm, Riley's convinced he sees a figure of Monsignor Pruitt walking on the beach. Yeah, because the old Monsignor, the old priest, would always wear like a trench coat and like a fedora because he was a dork. Because <laughs> he was a dorky priest. And so he's like, oh, that's definitely Monsignor Pruitt. And then he like goes outside in the storm to look for this guy, but then he soon vanishes. He's running away from him. He runs, he runs away from him and Riley's chasing him on the beach. And then the next morning when everything calms down... They find hundreds of stray cats on the beach that are dead. I was wondering how you handled that part. Well, the cats look super fake, so I was fine with it. There we go. That's how I handled it, too. And it's like, I appreciate that from a director. It's like, I don't need them to look like adorable little cats. They can yeah. look like stuffed animals. Like F FAO Schwartz. <laughs> yeah. They literally look like stuffed animals. Like me and Kate have seen a lot of dead animals in our lifetime. And yeah, we can see those for free. So like if I'm paying for Netflix, I want them to be stuffed, adorable animals. <laughs> so that's the end of episode one. We get this cliffhanger of like all these dead cats. And we're like, oh my God, what's going down? Episode one is all set up. Yes, very much a lot of setup. I will admit, I will admit this, Kate. When I first watched this, I only got through, I think, the first and second episode and then I gave up. And I remember, I think it was you, you were like, no, bitch, you have to fucking finish it because it's fucking amazing. I did. Yeah. I was like, I trust you. You know what I like. And I'm glad I did because yes! <laughs> it is a slow ass burn and it's a lot of setup, but it's fucking great. And the yes. it just takes the fuck off at a certain point where you're just like, oh, my God. And you can't stop watching. The cliffhangers are real. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that. I remember you being, I, cause I, I was like, hey, check out this show. It's Mike Flanagan. You're like, oh, I tried it. I don't know. I'm like, try again. Try again. Yeah. 
try harder. <laughs> I was like, okay. Religion. <laughs> You're like, but it's religious. I was, I was like, this bitch isn't paying attention or she would like it. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I will say the first and second episodes are like, meh, okay. I, I, get, I get it though. It's slow. It's slow. Yeah. Yeah. But for Mike, we're patient. We're so, patient. Without further ado, yes. episode two. A reading from the book of Psalms. Oh my God, I love this. <laughs> so Love it. I knew you'd do this weird shit. <laughs> so this episode opens with the town's sheriff investigating the piles of dead cats with our dopey, happy-go-lucky mayor. Yes. And the opening scene, I don't know if you noticed the unique way that they filmed it. Did you notice this? I only noticed it this time when I was watching it. Maybe not. It's literally seven minutes, completely uncut. It's seven minute long scene that just goes from like conversation to conversation. Like it follows a person and then that person's talking to this person and then it follows someone like it's a weird vibe. Oh, yes. The investigation scene is really good. All on the beach. Everyone's out like it's the aftermath of the hurricane and you got the mayor, you got the sheriff, you got Riley. Everyone's like, why are there a bunch of fucking dead cats? Yeah. What's going on? What do you mean Monsignor Pruitt was hanging around? And it's like this bizarre dreamlike sequence. It's very cool and eye-catching because I do think this scene would have been like a little bit more boring because it is like, let's explain, you know, where are we at? Like, what's who's talking to who? Let's establish who these characters are. No, time to keep going. There's dead cats. <laughs> it's, just, it's just like a seven minute long uncut scene that's very eye-catching. So yeah, that's that's one thing about Mike Flanagan. It's like the story starts when the story starts. You know what I mean? Exactly. So then we get to meet oh our psychotic church lady who is, oh my God, the best character Bev ever. Keen. We love Bev Keen. Bev Keen. She is our Judy. <laughs> she is our everything. We love Bev Keen. <laughs> Not in a literal way. She is our Judy, isn't she? Yeah. So Judy, if you guys followed us for our sleepaway camp episode, <laughs> we harbor this like harbors the wrong word. We're obsessed with Judy, who is not a good character. And we feel similarly for Bev yes. Keen, who is yes. not a good character, but is an excellent character. Such a good character. Oh my God. The best character. Just basically encompasses every single yeah. negative value yeah. of religious people, like holier than thou people, like every single thing she says. Pious, hypocrite, self-righteous. It's so real. It's such a caricature, but at the same time, it's like the most real thing I've ever seen. Yes. And she has such control over this island because the population is 127 people. Yeah, so exactly. the Catholic Church is kind of important and Monsignor Pruitt hasn't returned. So she is like, yeah. hey, I'm the queen of Crockett Island. She's scary. Right. And they definitely imply because Monsignor Pruitt was declining mentally and in, mm -hmm. you know, the throes of dementia yeah. that she basically took over. And he was almost like her puppet a little bit because he was not doing well mentally. And so she basically is running the freaking Catholic Church. Oh, yeah. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about this congregation taking their demented, mentally ill priest raising thousands of dollars <laughs> and shipping his senile ass alone to Jerusalem and being like, it's for God. So dumb. And these people are not doing well financially. They are 
struggling because of the oil spill. They have little to no money for themselves. Why are they spending it on this? They're giving money to their church every week to build a rec center, to send their old ass Monsignor to Jerusalem. And it's insane to me. But you know what? This is organized religion for you. Oh my God. Honestly, though, that's a big part. That's a big theme. That is the theme. Absolutely. Uh, So we have Bev Keen. Love her. She's using a rat bait rodenticide (gasps) called 1080. Danger. Around the church to fend off potential predators. We love a fake rodenticide, honestly. It makes us happy as vets who see rodenticide toxicity. 1080 is real. What? Yes. (laughs) What? 1080 is real. I looked it up because I was like, I literally see rapid ingestions probably at least once every other shift. And so I know the three most common ones. Never this. I know how long it takes to take effect. What are the symptoms? What is the prognosis? Yeah, how to treat it. La da da. 1080, not a thing. I don't know if it's less common these days. I don't know why it's maybe not mass produced. I don't know. Probably because it's just straight up poison. (laughs) Yeah. But I mean, I looked up how long it takes to work because there are some scenes in here where it's unrealistic how long it takes to work. Well, do we want to watch it work longer? I don't. (laughs) But my thing is like, use something different, like swallow some acid or something. You know what I mean? Don't make up fake. I don't know. Don't make up fake chemicals that actually exist, but don't do what you're showing that they do. I don't know. So, um, yeah, this didn't bother me at all. I was like, great. (laughs) Immediately and fatally kills. Fantastic. Yeah. I'm like, okay, I'm here for it. I assumed it was a fake toxin. Nope. Totally real. Yeah. Damn it. I also have never seen any ingestions of it, though. So I feel like it's maybe it's just not mass produced anymore. I don't know. Yeah, probably not. Sounds bad for you. I don't know why she has it in gallons. (laughs) (laughs) For nosy little dogs. Yeah. All right. So that night, Bull, the aptly named island drug dealer. <laughs> Bull. His name's Bull. Is we love it. Walking home in the dark and he hears a strange noise in an abandoned house and asks if anyone's there. Such a good scene. Oh, my God. Such a fucking crazy scene. So this is what they do. They basically will do like two scenes of character development. And then they'll do like one scene of just like pure horror. They reward you for your patience. For sticking with it. Yes. They say, hey, the character development is important. Yes. We get that you want to see some scary stuff. So. Yeah. (laughs) Here you go. So they're like, this doesn't really matter because Bull plays little to no role in anything. But I love this scene. But we're here for it. We're here for it. He hears a strange noise in an abandoned house and he goes, is anyone in there? And then he hears a voice mimicking his voice on the inside of the house. Is anyone in there? Which is so fucking creepy. And then he goes inside to investigate. Of course, because he's a man. Don't do that. This was giving the house on Yeebolt Street. This was giving it. (laughs) I was like, no. Yes. Pennywise is in there. So fucking creepy. But he's like, I guess (laughs) I'll go and investigate. So he goes inside and is attacked and killed by an unseen assailant. So a winged assailant. Bull is uh, (laughs) he's out. Out for the count. The bowl is empty. The bowl is now empty. What a good end to episode two. Really good. Yeah. It's pretty great. But we're not done. We're not done with episode two. We're not done. We still have more episode. Uh, (laughs) 
So next scene, we have Father Paul, and he's meeting Lisa Scarborough, who is a young girl in a wheelchair, who's the daughter of the mayor. And we find out that she was paralyzed in an accidental shooting by the town drunk Joe Colley. So this is irrelevant and terrible to notice. But as a medical professional, it took me out of it. This bitch has some strong leg muscles. Oh, okay, okay. I was like, where are you going with this? So here's the thing. Lisa Scarsborough is a character who is in a wheelchair. She's been um, paralyzed by an accidental shot from Joe Colley, the town drunk, who lives in a trailer with his dog and is very sad. And she's very resentful. But her muscles... She looks like she runs track because they put her in these skinny jeans. (laughs) Oh, they should have like, yeah, they should have had loose fitting jeans so that you couldn't tell, I guess. Put a blanket over her. I don't know. She has some strong muscles. And as Mm. anyone who has worked with anyone with muscle atrophy, you're like, are you getting up in the middle of the night? Like doing squats? (laughs) Kate doesn't believe that she's... I don't believe you. (laughs) Don't believe you. Kate's calling her a liar. Well, because there's a major scene later that calls into question her thigh muscles. And I'm like, yeah, I saw them earlier. They're prominent. Kate's like, I knew this all along. (laughs) I knew it all along. Okay, I'm just saying. (laughs) That's a good point. I did not notice that. Oh, my God. If you want someone to look frail, don't put them in skinny jeans. If they have like jacked thigh and calf muscles. I was like, you're not paralyzed. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, "Um, she should have been more muscle wasted. It took me out of it. (laughs) I wanted to see twigs. (laughs) (laughs) This is very much something that I would bring up. It's a very Ariana thing to bring up with you. (laughs) I was like, she's not saying it, so I'm going to. That bitch has too healthy of a body. (laughs) I love it. I didn't notice. (laughs) So now we're at the church potluck. And it's the island's annual Ash Wednesday Church Crock Potluck. Cute. You definitely had ashes on your forehead. 100%. So did I. Oh, yeah. Of course. They were always ugly. You know what they use for the ashes? No. Things that only you would learn if you took a freaking class in religion every day of your life. I didn't. So they burned the palm fronds from Palm Sunday. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I knew that. I'm sorry. (laughs) Okay. And there's a scene where they're doing that. Yeah. There's a whole ceremony that we had to do with the palm fronds. Yep. I forgot because I haven't had ashes smudged on me in a while. Same. That's right. It's a palm fronds from Palm Tuesday. Palm Sunday. This is why I said Ariana gets to drive the boat. (laughs) You're thinking of Fat Tuesday, which is the day before Ash Wednesday. That's what I'm thinking about is Mardi Gras. (laughs) It's like... Mardi Gras, though. (laughs) Is it Palm Tuesday yet? (laughs) Sorry, Ash Wednesday. It's Ash Wednesday. We're smudging ashes. So it's Ash Wednesday. We're at the church potluck. And Father Paul invites Riley to attend his court-mandated AA meetings with him in the church (laughs) rec center. He invites him to join his court mandate. <laughs> you are cordially invited. You for are your court cordially invited to the court mandated <laughs> AA meetings with me in the church rec center. So you don't have to go to the mainland. Totally anonymous. No one's going to know. One on one with your priest that you grew up with. <laughs> Everybody's watching you walk to the church. <laughs> yeah. Totally anonymous. Awkward. 
All right. So now we have a scene that's going to freak everyone out, including me and Kate. So, <laughs> yep. So we have Joe Colley and his Mastiff at the potluck. And suddenly his Mastiff collapses and dies. Sad. After eating a hot dog off the ground. And it's sad. Joe suspects Bev Keen, our fucking church lady that we love to hate purposely poisoned this dog because she dislikes him being the town drunk. The dog like barked at her earlier and she's like, he's feral. Yeah. I mean, if you rewatch the scene, you definitely see like her skirt give the dog the yeah. hot dog. So we all know. So basically Bev Keen poisons the dog, but no one knows except for the audience who actually did it. So do you want to know what our symptoms are for 1080? Because <laughs> I wrote them down. Oh, my God. <laughs> Guys, welcome to vet hour. So the symptoms take 30 minutes to three hours to show up, not three yeah. seconds. Um, yeah. And the dog's symptoms are primarily CNS signs. So convulsions, mm. vocalization, and uncontrollable running. Oh, wow. Yeah. So this dog dies by That's just weird. all of a sudden, like, coughing up hemorrhagic fluid and then probably aspirating and dying immediately. It's great. It's all we needed. Yeah. He died of poison reasons. It's very clue. Humans do similar things where they vomit and they get agitated and they have like tachyarrhythmias and then dogs they just like run around. Dogs just get like uncontrollable running. Hype. Yeah, for real. But this, these scenes always annoy the shit out of me. Like, in movies and TV shows when someone is coughing on their blood or like vomiting yeah. and they're upright. No one thinks to like turn their head so turn they stop yeah. aspirating. It like drives me nuts. Everyone's just like, oh my God. And just like watching people cough on their own shit. Why don't you give a quick PSA in case tuberculosis comes back? <laughs> my thing is like, one, if get some sort of suction. If you're not around the suction, <laughs> turn the head at least. Dear God, so just, just turn their head, turn the head so they can vomit out the side of their mouth and not just vomit into their lungs. Ugh. But uh, this dog didn't know that. No, so. the dog's dead. Joe Colley's upset. Yeah, very upset. It's like his only friend. I know. He like sort of blames Bev, sort of. And then the doctor, human doctor's like, I'm not a vet. Maybe I can help. And then she comes over and she's like, did anyone see him eat anything? And it's like, that's not helping. <laughs> that's Yeah, I'm like, thank God you showed up. I was like, anyone could have asked that question, lady. <laughs> this human doctor responding to the veterinary emergency, like, it's like, no, no offense. Like, we appreciate her. But it feels like whenever I'm on a flight and there's like, is there a doctor around? And no one raises their hand. And I'm like, <laughs> technically, I am. But like, as a last resort. Yeah, it's like if they are lacerated and they're bleeding uncontrollably or if they're in status or if they're hypoglycemic, I can help. But if they yeah. have any kind of cardiac condition, which is what people usually fucking have on airplanes, can't do I anything. can't help you with that. Mm -mm. Nope. <laughs> but I'll 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 raise my hand out of politeness just for you. <laughs> Wait. Oh, my God. You guys, I have to tell you this story from. Do you remember uh, our vet? Um, Dr. Lubard, Dr. Lubard's story from yeah. vet school. So Dr. Lubard is our professor and he is a fish doctor. A fish doctor. He's like specialized in fish. He is like literally the most revered fish 
veterinarian in America. He's like on Nat Geo on the reg. Exactly. And he told us a story about how he was on a flight and someone was, I don't know, having an emergency. And they were like, is there any doctors? And he like waited. No one like volunteered. So then he like reluctantly volunteered (laughs) and he like didn't know what to do. So he just like went up to the person and just like got a heart rate on him. (laughs) (laughs) Just took their pulse and was like, like, I guess I'll take your pulse. I mean, I don't know. What a nightmare. Since I'm here. Anyway, the dog dies immediately. Dog dies. So now we get the cliffhanger of episode two. So during Mass that Sunday, Father Paul insists that Lisa Scarborough rise from her wheelchair to accept the Eucharist. And to everyone's surprise, she stands and walks to him in the church. Her muscular legs. It's a miracle. It's a miracle. She can walk. Um, so he's healing the lame. Okay. Very Jesus. Very Jesus-y. This is, uh, is this when we get holly holy? Yes. Yes, exactly. Amazing. The holly holy montage is the best part of this show. And there's a lot of good parts of this show, but everything about this montage is actually perfect. Yeah, it's very cute. It's like a little moment where everyone's celebrating little things for themselves and it's like a high point for everybody and like nothing bad, it's super bad has happened yet. It's like right before shit's about to go down. <laughs> Back is feeling better. You can see without your glasses, you're dancing again to a Neil Diamond <laughs> record. <laughs> Neil Diamond is the king of this whole franchise. <laughs> and then you see all these people showing up more and more to communion to church because of the miracle oh my god it's it's honestly it gives me chills the holly holy because you hit they play the whole song it's the entire song Mm -hmm. it's a long scene yes and each time it gets to the chorus as you realize that we're healing people people whose back hurt people who couldn't see people are getting healed people couldn't walk lisa you're like what the fuck is going on and you get this major montage of people showing up and showing up for the church more and more. So like the congregation is getting more and more filled out mm-hmm. with each chorus of this song. Yep. And it is beautiful. I have no notes and I rarely have no notes, but I'm like, that was it. Kate feels strongly about this. <laughs> I feel so strongly about this scene specifically. It is so good. It is pretty good. It is pretty good. It sets everything up. It explains these people's devotion to this church. It makes sense. I'm like, yeah, I would do the same. And Neil it's- Diamond slaps. So like, what am I supposed to do? Kate loves Neil Diamond. I'm dying. I didn't know it. I had no idea. I didn't either, Ariana. I had no idea as well. I don't know. I think she loves Neil Diamond. I think she does too. Shit. Okay. Well, now I know what song I want to put at the end. I was going to ask you your opinion, but now we know your opinion. It's Holly Holy. Yes. It better be Holly Holy. Okay. Okay. <laughs> we got it. We got it. So, Crockett Island. Oh, wait. Sorry, guys. A reading from the book of Proverbs. <laughs> <laughs> We're going fast, guys. It's episode three. We're on episode three. Also, just so everybody knows, every time that Ariana gives a reading, she holds both of her hands out in peace signs <laughs> and says, a reading from the book of Proverbs or whatever the fuck. <laughs> so like, that's dope. And I just want people to know that she does that. And I like it. <laughs> She's done it three times. That's me. That's my religious uh That's the Catholic ritual. girl right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Um, yeah. So Crockett Island undergoes a religious revival after Lisa's sudden recovery, which everyone believes to be a miracle. Yeah, do. Yes. And the priest was a bit of a dick. He's like, come and get it. And like <laughs> kept walking up the steps. It was like if she hadn't walked, like you would be done. Like you would be You'd done. You'd be done. Bro. Yeah. Yeah. Her parents are like, what are you doing? Yeah. And everyone's he's like, like nope. what the fuck? That's Come and up. get it. Come and get yeah. it, Lisa. You got to walk these steps, you lame bitch. And she's like, okay. Well, that's the thing too. It's like, even if she was healed, I don't know if you can take like multiple walks and walk up steps after being healed immediately. Like there's only so much you're muscles can do after sitting for Are years. Are you actually trying to like quantify after you've been healed by the like God? <laughs> yeah. Because it doesn't Okay. <laughs> Haven't you seen, like, I mean, when people are, like, sitting or laying down for a long time and then they get up, they can't fucking walk, you know? Yes, I, I understand that. But this is clearly an act of God or something. <laughs> well, isn't that the reason why she has muscles then, Kate? No, because she has muscles the whole time. <laughs> and that's why it's different. Maybe God healed her muscles. <laughs> she's got ballerina muscles literally the whole time. Yeah, she's jacked. Yeah, she's leg jacked for sure. She is leg jacked, but she she goes up and she gets that nasty wafer and we get the holly holy <laughs> and it's great. That wafer. Got to get that wafer. <laughs> Got to get that wafer. The way that Kate is obsessed with the holly holy moment <laughs> is how I'm obsessed with this next scene. This is my favorite <gasps> scene in the entire thing. Which one? This is the best character development scene. And it's when Lisa visits Joe and tells him that she forgives him. It's like... She tells him she has a hatred of him for ruining her life, but eventually forgives him. It's not because of her. It's not. I don't like it for her acting. I like it for Joe's acting. Joe's acting is so good. Yes. He's just like such a broken person. And you can tell he's just like so guilty and has been in such a bad place mentally for so long that when she comes and forgives him, he just like is speechless and doesn't know what to say. And I think that this really defines him as a character a lot. Um, and you can't freaking look away because the acting is, it's just devastating. It's a great scene. It's my favorite acting scene in this whole series. I will say that. So. Wow. Yeah. Pretty good. Joe Colley. And we know him from uh, Hill House. He's the yep. groundskeeper in Hill House. Yep. Different character for sure. He's got theater actor energy and he is very, very talented. Oh, so good. So good. Yeah. Very talented. The way he mm -hmm. just like is like holding in his sobs and he's just lost his dog. And she comes walking in who's been wheelchairing around ever since she he shot her in the back. It's a big moment. Yeah. And he's like scared of her when she's yeah. like walking around his apartment. He's like, what the fuck is going on? But also like, yeah. why are you walking? This is fucking crazy. Yeah. But also like deferent to her. Like, um, like he feels awful. Yeah. He hates himself. Yeah. Because he was drunk, I think, and hunting. Yeah. Or playing with his gun. They said he wasn't hunting. He was just like shooting for fun. Well, <laughs> uh, Joe, I'm trying to like you. Trying <laughs> to like you, but that's not likable. <laughs> so Lisa's forgiveness of Joe moves him to start attending the weekly AA meetings with Riley and Father Paul at the church rec center. So now we have mm -hmm. a trio during the AA meetings. Um, yeah. So cut to, it's a lot of cutting to because there's so many characters. So 
We have to like follow each one during each episode for a little bit. Gotta stay sharp. Gotta stay sharp. Are you paying attention? (laughs) Now we have a really, really, really great scene. This is a lot of really cool character developments. I would say this episode is like the peak of the character development vibe. Like this is when he was like, okay, this is the climax. This is when I'm going to like fully flesh out everyone. And then episode four is when shit hits the clusterfuck fan. This is such a well thought out series, but especially this episode is very well thought out. Very planned. Yeah. It hurts. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So this is the scene with the sheriff and Bev Keane at the school. You know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. I know what you're talking about. So we have the town sheriff whose Muslim faith has put him at odds with the rest of the town's strong Christian population. And he learns that his son wants to start studying the Bible. And so he attends a public school or a, a town meeting at a public school and he attempts to get Bev Keen to stop literally handing out Bibles to students at the public school, which is obviously illegal. Inappropriate. So fucking cringe because it's just like him making a lot of good points, her standing on her high horse, like delivering condescending after condescending after, you know, holier than thou Anti-Muslim. Anti-fucking, yes. Like, it's such a perfect, perfectly written scene. God, we love Bev Keen. And not because she's a good person. We love it. Not because she's a good person. (laughs) We love the idea of Bev Keen because I have never in my life seen a character that so exemplifies all the bad that can come from someone who's this person. Like, yep. There is not a single line that she delivers where you're like, oh, I feel bad for her or I understand why she is the way she is. It's just like this absolute, like, amazing, beautiful character. And I can't get over it. She is saturated in her idea of religion. Yes. And extremely pious, extremely, like, sad for people who don't understand her version of religion and not that many people do like she's even judgmental of father Paul when father Paul comes on. Cause he's wearing the wrong color chasuble or like, you know, yeah. you know what a outfit. <laughs> yep. She's like, how dare you? Like that's for Easter. Like, what are you doing? You look stupid. Like she, she is like, these are the rules. Yeah. All the rules and you're good. Mm-hmm. I think she's convinced herself that. Yeah. She's, not at fault and that she's above everyone. And that's what comes off in everything she says. And it's so great. And she's so manipulative and passive aggressive. It's just crazy. But it's so hard to watch because it is hard to watch the sheriff. You know, he's Muslim and his son is Muslim. And it's very important for him that his son stay Muslim because that was his Uh, deceased wife's religion. And it's just like very complicated. And he's just trying really hard to keep church and school separated, which is not an unreasonable thing to want. Hard on Crockett Island, though. Every night he's like the, the sheriff is like, hey, kiss your mother. And he the son kisses the photo of his mom yeah. and then goes to school and learns about the Bible because of Bev Keen. Yeah. It's very nuanced and interesting. Great characters. We love it. Anyway, so then we... Anyway. Anyway, so then we cut to Father Paul. So what's Father Paul up to? Um, yeah. Being hot. So he's being a hottie and starts coughing up blood. 
Oh, no. Yeah, this part's not hot. <laughs> and then he passes out and fully dies in front of Bev Keen and the mayor and the mayor's wife. This is another scene where people don't turn the head. Turn the fucking head. He's like coughing up blood and everyone's just like, oh, my God. And like not making sure he doesn't aspirate. So he aspirates and dies. <laughs> and... <laughs> So Ariana frustrating. has um, seen some shit. Yeah, I agree. I was like, okay, he's choking on his own blood. Like, just like, can we, yeah, turn we him over, maybe? Turn him, please. Yeah. All right. No. Okay. Well, he's dead. <laughs> All right. So he's dead. And then this is my favorite. I love when they do this in movies. So then, freaking the mayor comes over and gets a pulse and doesn't feel a pulse. And this is within seconds of him stopping breathing. And he's like. He's dead. He's like, can't find it. Yeah. I'm like, first of all, your pulse doesn't stop within seconds. <laughs> also, I don't think you tried that hard. <laughs> also, you're not a doctor. You can't pronounce someone dead. Maybe we start CPR. Maybe we start CPR. Maybe we get suction. Maybe we call the doctor that's on the island. They're like, it's too late. He's like, oh, he's dead. <laughs> he dramatically died. He, it's, it's too late. It's too late. And then he springs back to life. <gasps> All of a sudden, he is alive again. And everyone's like, OMG. <laughs> he's like, I feel great. Yeah. And during the whole him dying scene, we have this, or I guess <laughs> the entire episode, there's been these like mini flashbacks that then culminate to like a longer flashback during this death scene where we get a flashback to the night before his first sermon on the island and Father Paul is sitting in a confession booth and confessing to God, I guess, and revealing the true story of what happened to Monsignor Pruitt in Jerusalem. It's so good. It's so well-deserved. And so I did not see it coming. Me neither. I was impressed. Yes. I will say, this is what I will say. I agree. I was very impressed with how this went. I will say, uh, you know what? I'll tell you at the end because I haven't told everyone how this ends. So tell me at the end. So the flashback is Monsignor Pruitt. He's in Jerusalem. He's caught in a sandstorm. He discovers a cave to hide in. And then he's attacked by a winged blood-sucking creature that almost kills him, but then feeds him from his own slit wrist. So he like feeds Ooh. him blood. And then hmm. Monsignor Pruitt wakes up the next morning and discovers that he his youth was restored. He's young again. And we He's are... hot now. <laughs> You're hot now. You're hot now. <laughs> it worked. <laughs> so we are all being shown that Father Paul is actually a young Monsignor Pruitt. And it's a big moment. It's a very big moment. And then Pruitt confesses that he believes the creature to be an angel and that he led this angel back to Crockett Island in an attempt to share the angel's gifts and the angel's blood rejuvenating properties. Yeah, and there had been some like kind of foreshadowing, like a fedora individual dragging a very heavy trunk yes. up to the church. Could hold a body, no one can say. And we're all like, oh, that must be Monsignor Pruitt's body and he must have killed Monsignor Pruitt. I mean, that's what everyone thinks. Yeah. Or that he died and he's not telling anyone. Nah. -uh. <laughs> it's like, where's Monsignor Pruitt? Because no one's contacted him. He's off island 
in a hospital. He's off island. They're like, hey, Monsignor Pruitt's doing just fine. Don't worry about him. Don't talk about him. Anyway. Yeah, I just talked to him last night. It's like, okay, sure. (laughs) All right, sure. Tell me about the trunk. I will say I when I first saw this, I definitely had moments where I was like, wouldn't it be cool if this was actually Monsignor Pruitt, but younger? And then when I saw the scene where they show the old Monsignor Pruitt, I was like, oh, that's definitely the same actor as Father Paul. Yeah. Like I could tell it was like the Father Paul's aged up. Like what they did is they, yeah, they put makeup on Father Paul to make him look like a 90 year old man. And it's super obvious. So I was like, oh shit, okay, I know what's coming, but I want it to be told to me anyway. Like it was still very satisfying because I was like, sweet, like now we're getting somewhere. Now we have a reveal. This is cool. But I feel like I sort of knew that was coming a little bit. You would have liked just like a old actor. Yes. I feel like that would have gotten me better. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I get that. Yeah. Because old people don't look the same as when they're 25. So it's like not a big deal. You don't have to use any latex. Just like hire an old person. Exactly. Exactly. I get that. It got me. And also the fact that like... His name is Paul. There's a literal story in the Bible about Saul becoming Paul. So I was like, the second he said there was a stand, sandstorm, I was like, okay, so you're Monsignor <laughs> Pruitt. Got it. Like, <laughs> I was like, Ariana okay. has studied her whole life. <laughs> you are not going to get this past her. Nice I like try. that they. I like that they called him Father Paul, though. I like that because that's, you know, we love deep... Bible references. Yes. Yeah. Father (laughs) Paul. I knew you would eat that shit up. I knew it. I did it. I loved it. I loved it. (laughs) I did too. And it's cool because when he's telling the story, we are, we, the audience are shown like these like wooden wall plaques, like in the style of how they will show the stations of the cross. Um, But it's like, we had those too, by the way. Yeah. Very cool. Like, because it's Easter, blah, 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 Stations of the Cross. So, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So they'll have like, they'll show up a plaque on a wall with like a wood carving of like the scene he's describing. And like when the blood is flowing, like blood is literally flowing through the plaque, which is fucking cool. Um, So it's pretty, pretty sweet. Visually very good. Yes. Very artsy. We love an artsy moment. So a reading from the Book of Lamentations. (laughs) Episode four, bitches. So (laughs) the cliffhanger of episode three is like, LOL, this guy's the younger version of the old guy. And you're like, holy fuck. Yeah. Okay. It got me to be absolutely clear. Like I was like blind. You can't stop watching at that point. Sighted. No, of course not. No. Yeah. He knows how to get you. So now we meet the doctor. Well, we have met the doctor before, but now we're going to talk about the doctor. This island's resident doctor. Her name is Sarah Gunning, and she's ultrasounding Aaron's, um, Aaron Green's belly because she's pregnant. The love interest for our for main Riley character, should we say? Riley, yeah. He's like the most main character. Yeah, if we had to. If there had to be one, I guess it would be him, but it's really about everybody, I guess. Um, yeah, but I'll call him the main for now. Yeah, sure. So... She's ultrasounding Aaron's belly and she discovers that Aaron's fetus has mysteriously disappeared and that her uterus is now empty. It's terrible. Whoa. Terrible. It's a terrible, terrible moment. It's really sad because Aaron obviously, you know, put a lot of like worth into this child as being 
you know, what saved her from her abusive marriage. And she's very connected to her on top of all of the emotions that you have when you go through a miscarriage. Oh, my God, it's awful. And it's not even a miscarriage. It's like a spooky miscarriage. Like there's no spotting, no nothing. It's just like, oh, disappeared. Yep, just gone. Like she was like five months pregnant and then just poof, it's gone. And the doctor is like, you would have noticed something. Like, are you sure? Yeah, she was like, have you bled like anything? She's like, and no, Aaron nothing. has nothing, nothing. So she tells Aaron, it's strange. You had no signs of a miscarriage, but you definitely must have miscarried. And a distraught Aaron travels to the mainland to get a second opinion. Um, but they can't find evidence that she was ever pregnant. And they kind of gaslight her. They do. Yeah. But her hormones that should still be elevated post miscarriage mm-hmm. are not elevated. So they're like, okay, you were never pregnant. Are you, did you give us the wrong information? Like we are finding no evidence that you were ever pregnant. You need to go upstairs and talk to somebody. Yeah. They were like, we can put you in touch with our, you know, resident psych- <laughs> psychiatrist. And yeah, it is, it is obviously supernatural that Aaron's like four or five month old child has evaporated from her uterus. Yeah. So then Father Paul is, we're back with Father Paul. He discovers that sunlight will burn him. Now that he's gone and been dead and now has come back to life, the sunlight burns him. And uh-oh, at this moment, Bev Keen figures out that he is actually Monsignor Pruitt through all of the clues. And I think a big part of that is the fact that there's a picture of young Monsignor Pruitt <laughs> from a newspaper clipping hanging on the wall in Father Paul's fucking house that looks just like him and she looks at it and she's like hmm a very easy weird waldo yeah she's like that that's you though yeah yeah hmm. crazy that's weird <laughs> he can't go in broad daylight anymore she kind of like covers up the fact that he can't go to daytime mass and only comes out in the darkness and <laughs> yeah she's like uh, don't worry about it <laughs> we're doing midnight mass midnight now. mass dun, dun. yeah did you ever go to midnight mass by the way Oh, yeah. I had to fucking go every year on my stupid birthday. <laughs> because Oh, yeah. Ariana's birthday is Christmas Eve. Yeah. Christmas Eve. We would go to... I'm pretty sure we would go to Midnight Mass on Christmas Eve. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure you did. Yeah. It's, it's the same. It's just at night and you're tired. Oh, yeah. It's kind of cool and spooky. I mean, out of all the masses, I would prefer Night Mass better than Day Mass. You know? You know? You know? I would take minimal convincing on crocodile and i'd be like oh (laughs) i would definitely go to mass on crocodile island that sounds fun spooky Spooky in a spooky church yeah very cool that day Mm -hmm. candles everywhere he's hot you say all right (laughs) that's the real reason now we know why now we know (laughs) so pruitt slash paul travels to sarah gunning the doctor's elderly mother mildred who he has been bringing the Eucharist to daily because she used to go to daily mass, but she's very, very old and can't, you know, she has dementia. But throughout the episodes, she seems to be improving. And at this point, she does recognize Paul as Pruitt. Um, she's like, yeah, it's a big confused. Moment. She's like, I'm literally looking at this man that I've known my whole life, but he's like, 30 years old. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I'm looking at this 30-year-old that I knew 30 years ago. Yeah, it's crazy. So she's like confused, but she has dementia. So you're like, what's really going on? Like, she's confused. Like, maybe she's just seeing things. Oh, my God. But then Father Paul, like, 
goes up to her and like grabs her hands and is like, I have so much to tell you. I know. It's very and it nice. Just, you it can tell they're like pretty close. IRL, yeah, yeah. It feels like BFF moment. Mm-hmm. Only, I don't know. It really feels like Father Paul has been like transformed back to being like 32 and he sees his friend and he just wants to catch his friend up and talk yeah. to his friend. It's very nice. And then he gives her the Eucharist. Mm-hmm. And it's extremely special and very important to the plot. <laughs> Such a good show. It is. It's a great show. It's a great show. It's so good. It's very nice. It's very nice for so many it's reasons. Nice. I can't wait till the second episode of this when we can like just decompress and blah, talk about blah, blah, everything. Blah, blah. I know. I'm really holding it in. Just word vomit. I can't wait. I'm can't holding wait. it in. You guys, seriously, it's on Netflix. Please go watch it. We don't want to give it away. We don't want to, but we will. But we will. We have to. So this scene is fucking great. This scene was probably the first scene where I was like, this is kind of scary. So it's the scene with Joe Colley, the town drunk. He stops by Father Paul's that night to tell him that he had a difficult day resisting the urge to drink, but that he stayed sober and he's so proud of himself. And he walks in on Father Paul drinking the wine from the Eucharist. Yeah. Drinking the literal Eucharist. That's not normal. Which as an alcoholic and as someone who's literally your, your like AA leader. As many reasons is a problem. <laughs> he, well, at that point he's like, okay. Because like bare minimum, he's like, this guy has an alcohol problem. Yeah. 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 He's like, I've been there, man. Like, yeah. yeah. He's playing it as politely as possible. He's yeah. like, I see you guzzling the Eucharist. Yeah. Yeah, that's hard. Peace and blessings. <sighs> He's crazy. But at this point in the in the episode, we, the audience, do know that that has been where Father Paul is storing the angel's blood and that Father Paul has been diluting as the blood of Christ and feeding to his congregation. So now we, as the audience, Oops. understand why everyone seems to be getting younger and their dementia is getting better and they're less in pain and they're walking and they can see now and all these things. So we see that and we understand that Father Paul is drinking the angel's blood and not, you know, some wine. No, but he's like guzzling it. He's like slurping it up. Yeah, he chugs it. He's overwhelmed by thirst and he offers a hug to Joe Colley, who in an attempt to back out of the hug, ends up falling and hitting his head on the corner of a table. And then he... It's really sad. And then he falls to the floor and he has a severe head injury and he's slowly dying as his blood is spreading on the floor behind him. And it's scary because he doesn't die immediately. Like, he basically has to watch Father Paul. very realistic. Instead of helping him, Father Paul slowly just, like, drinks his blood and starts sucking the blood from directly from his head as he's dying. He can't resist it. He's like drawn to it. Yeah. And Joe Colley is in horror as his pastor. He's like dying and confused and can't talk. And he's like, like, what is going on? His AA sponsor is slurping (laughs) up his blood. Drinking directly from his head wound. It's gross. His scalp. I can't. Oh, my God. It's gross. It's gross. It's extra gross because... (laughs) <laughs> it's so it's extra gross because it's Joe Colley and he's just like a gross, gross dude. Yeah. Yeah. This is the moment I'm like, Ariana will like it from here on out. She just has to get this far and she'll be fine. Yeah. I was like, okay. 
It got me a little bit. <laughs> yeah. So then we have Bev Keen, the mayor, the local handyman slash fisherman slash real life hot guy Sturge. Yeah. Ariana's heartthrob Sturge. <laughs> I, I haven't figured it out yet. I'll get there. I'll, I'll send you a pic later. Okay. <laughs> they walk in and they discover the scene the next morning when Father Pruitt doesn't show up for church. And so they walk in and they find Joe Colley dead on the ground and freaking Father Pruitt in the corner with a bloody mouth. And this reminds me of the scene from Roth, you know, you know. (laughs) Roth? Yeah. Uh Uh-uh. Yeah, there's a scene from Raw like this. From Raw? Oh my God. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yeah, we have a little cannibalism moment. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So Bev convinces the literal mayor and Sturge to help her cover up this murder. And she believes it's all a part of God's plan. And she delivers this passionate and convincing and passive aggressive speech (laughs) to these two men, one of whom is like the freaking mayor. And he's just like so stupid and docile and like, ignorant. So the mayor's daughter is the one who can now walk. And that too is a complicating factor. Yeah. His daughter is Lisa. So he's like, uh, okay. If it's God's word that my daughter walk and I dispose of this body. Yeah. Cool beans. (laughs) She's like, you want to return God's miracles? Why don't you return all of God's miracles then? And he's like, oh, shit, okay. Oh, my God, it's so brilliant. Uh, she's such a crazy, smart, manipulative, just so fucking manipulative. It's honestly, it's really fun to watch. <laughs> Any second with Bev Keen on the screen is an absolute It's a treat. joy. Yeah, it's a fucking joy. <laughs> I'm like, more! At some point, you're like, someone's going to best her. Someone's going to tell her off. And there is a scene where someone tells her off. But, you know, it's it's a long time Not coming. Not that easy. Yeah, yeah. She run this town. So then we have our next AA session. And... Oh, God. Father Paul oh asked... Oh, God, no! <laughs> no, I forgot! Oh, and no. Riley's like, where the fuck is Joe? Like, is he, you know, did he like relapse um and father paul's like no joe is absent because he's visiting his sister on the mainland nice. and riley knows like two things about joe but he knows that joe's yeah. sister is dead so that was a fucked yep. up thing to say so he's like hmm that's you lied so that night riley returns to the rec center to confront father paul about this lie yeah like he like fully leaves and is like no yeah. You're lying about Joe Colley. I don't like something is fucky here and goes yeah. back. And then he goes back. He's supposed to meet Aaron Green so they can like hang out that night. But then right before he goes in, he's like, no, fuck this. I'm going to go tell him off. So he like goes to the rec center to tell him off. And when he walks in the angel, which is like this eight foot tall, hairless, like gothic bat looking man is at the front of the rec center, dripping his blood into the chalice, basically. The Shazable. And the decanter. The decanter, yeah. <laughs> and then um, Monsignor Pruitt's like on the ground, like worshiping this angel. And then the angel turns around 
and Riley's like, like he's just like whoa like he like flinches like what is that and then the angel just like flies at him and attacks him and is like holding him down and just like sucking his blood and like monsignor pruitt gets up and makes eye contact with riley and then slowly closes the door to the rec center and that's the end of the fourth episode episode four that's the cliffhanger It's so much. It's, it's a lot. so much. Oh my god, guys! It's hard because I want to talk to you about I know all of it, and I and I can't. We can't decompress yet because no. we have to tell you the rest of the story. We got to keep it high, but we we have to like all decompress together because it's a lot and it's a lot to think about. And you'll watch it four more times and still not feel like you've seen enough. You're totally right. You know what? That is the end. Yeah, of the first part. Yes. <laughs> Midnight Mass. Things change pretty pretty much after that. It's a lot. Yeah. Like, yeah. try to keep up. But that's one through four of Midnight Mass. Um, come back for uh, the second part. Also, we have Skinamarink. We're covering Skinamarink next week. Me and Max. Me and my buddy Max. Don't worry. Ariana makes her opinions clear about <laughs> Skinamarink. I watched it with Kate. And I was like, Kate, you have to tell everyone. How I feel about this. I do. Don't worry. <laughs> but yeah, film breakdown, like putting on the scoreboard. It's not time yet. It's not, not time. We're not ready. Not time. It's the end. But that's the end. We're going to catch you guys later. Stay after the outro to talk about Halloween stuff. Oh. But until next time, stay spoopy. Stay spoopy.
song. Kate, I don't know. Uh, are you going to be the Rocky to my Frankenfurter? <laughs> Kate's going to be Frankenfurter. She showed yes. me her costume that she got on Amazon. I showed her the wig. She, I think she needs to get Nick to put on some self-tanner, get some little gold. Paint on abs. <laughs> spray paint abs. Get Nick to wear a fucking gold boxer brief moment. You think I haven't tried? You know what he said to me? He said, is there another character I could be? And I said, Magenta. He's trying to compromise with you. What a nice man. Yeah, I gave him a compromise. I was like, Magenta. And that's it. That's it. (laughs) What did he say to that? He said nothing. So we'll see what happens. (laughs) But yeah, I'm so excited for October this year. Ariana and I are long distance, but... This year, I get to come visit her. I'm very excited. Yes, 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 <gasps> yes. I have skeletons in Kate's bed that are spooning right now. <laughs> and Kate's going to join them when she comes and visits. It's going to be a little bony threesome. Yes, it'll be cute. I have an eight foot tall pumpkin man. I have <laughs> a grim reaper that's hanging from the yes! ceiling. I'm going to cry. I'm so happy. <laughs> I have a Halloween tree. It's like a Christmas tree, but it's for Halloween. Amazing. <laughs> skeletons everywhere. There's two more skeletons I haven't told you about. Those will be surprises <gasps> for you. I cannot re- I cannot wait. I'm going to cry. And also, we're going to Halloween Horror Nights at Universal together. Oh, so yeah. So that's going to be really fun. Oh, I'm very and excited. And then um, you're going to come to my house. I don't know if I told you. Hey, I'm going to see you three times in October. That is insane. I think you mean four times. Wait, four times? Really? Yeah, you have to come to my house for my Halloween party. Oh, okay. Yes. Of course, of course. Is it on Halloween? When is it? It's a Saturday before Halloween? Um, Like the last set. Yeah, of course. Oh, I'm working, obviously. (laughs) Um, So cancel that shift. Cancel the shift. I'm going to be wearing full Frankenfurter drag. Amazing. You got to figure it out. That's all I have to say. (laughs) My problem is that... I'm traveling so much this fucking month that I am, I only have like a few nights that I can do what I want. I'm seeing a candlelight 
Halloween slash um, horror movie show tune, um, like orchestra in a cemetery. We're doing that. I know I'm excited. And then we're going to go see, um, I think you were with us last year, Kate, when we went to the place in PA with the haunted hayride. We're going to do that again. We're going to go to the penitentiary. Ah, Kate's going to come to that. I will be there for that part. I'm telling her zero things about it because I don't want her to get her hopes up and be let down. My hopes (laughs) are to go to a penitentiary. And so I think they will be met. (laughs) Kate's coming to my Halloween party. I'm excited. Yay! Oh, we're going to have cocktails that are Halloween themed. We're going to do a corpse (gasps) reviver and a zombie zombie something i can't remember what it's called but it's called Amazing. like a zombie something one of them's a gin drink and one of them's like has literally four different types of rum in it i'm so excited outstanding yes. i'm so excited if Signature that's not cocktails. what halloween is for yeah like i don't <laughs> want anything to do with it yeah yes so i hope you guys are ready for halloween we're obviously ready i haven't seen hocus pocus yet i'm going to don't worry um and yeah stay tuned for our skin and marine episode it's gonna be really fun And I hope you guys have a really good Halloween planned. Listen to our spooky, or I'm so sorry, spoopy. (gasps) How dare I? Spoopy instrumental playlist. It's on Spotify. It's on our Instagram. And most importantly, you guys need to stay spoopy. Stay spoopy. Happy Halloween.